Maybe you want to write a book, launch your tarot business, or even fall in love. You'll learn neuroscience techniques and sacred rituals from mental health professional Bryn Bamber. That's me. Everything you need to take that next step towards your purpose. Okay, I am so excited for today's episode. We have Danielle Savory, who is a sex coach. Am I getting that right? Is that what you call yourself? Awesome. For sure. So, Danielle, maybe to start, can you introduce yourself, how you got into this line of work, and tell everyone listening who you are? Yeah. So, uh, yes, I call myself a sex coach. I'm a master certified coach and I specialize in really helping women understand and work with their largest sex organ, which is their brain to be able just to access more pleasure and more desire and all of that juicy goodness in our bodies. And really where this started for me, you know, it's like everything you look back and you're like, Oh, I have no, I no idea why I'm doing this, but then later you're like, that makes sense. Like, thanks universe. (laughs) Um, So when I look back, it makes sense. All of the steps that kind of led me up to here, but my educational background is science, like high achieving. I wanted to be a brain surgeon. I did, you know, the biology, the chemistry, the pre-med later I did neuroscience. And then I also minored in philosophy with a focus on Buddhist mindfulness, Buddhist religion, Buddhist psychology. And so now all of that makes sense. Like at the time I was like, well, I'm, you know, later I decided not to be a doctor. And I was like, well, that was wasted education forever, you know, and like the philosophy, I was like, "Eh, I don't even know why I'm doing this, except it just lit me up. I was so enthralled with Buddhist psychology and looking at different types of religion and the philosophy behind them. And now it's like, well, that makes so much sense. Like with what I do now and mindfulness and kind of that way of how I teach. So it was all necessary. That was more my formal education, but then outside of it, just kind of my own life journey, being this high achieving perfectionist type of thing, type of woman, I reached this point in my life where it just became very apparent to me that I was not doing things for me, that I was doing everything for everybody else, for people pleasing, for validation, for, you know, that external approval that and acceptance that I think that most of us are socialized as women to go out and seek. And it really became this moment kind of in time of like, holy shit, like I've been doing this for so long and this isn't even for me and who am I? And I just kind of disintegrated and fell apart. And I was also dealing with a bunch of health issues at the time too. So it was a rather dark period in my life. I spent two years uh, bedridden with like a lot of pain, a lot of stuff going on. And Obviously, when you're dealing with a lot of pain, sex is the last thing on your mind. Pleasure is the last thing on your mind. You're very obsessed with the suffering that you're going through daily and the pain that you're facing daily. And I was newly married to my husband at the time. And so we wanted to have a family and have babies. So sex was kind of necessary to make that happen. (laughs) That also wasn't happening. And so I struggled with fertility and miscarriages and those sorts of things. And 
that really kind of just brought up a lot of questions for me around my relationship with my sexuality in order to kind of pull myself out of this dark place that I was in. I was doing a lot of mindfulness practices, going to yoga, and for the first time became really aware of my inner critic. I became aware of my, like that my brain has all of these thoughts that I had just been on autopilot believing all the time and the impact that that was having on how I felt in my body, which led me to really questioning about sex and my relationship with sex and desire and wanting it and having been pursued you know, as Mm -hmm. someone or being desirable versus Mm -hmm. have I ever actually asked myself what I want and my own desires. And so one thing led to another, I started teaching mindfulness with women's groups. I started um, learning more and more going to all the experts, even though this was like practices that I was having on my own. I was very like the language I spoke because I'm in Portland, Oregon. So it's very you know, there's a lot of the granola and woo-woo culture. I mean, this is like over 10 years ago, right? So it's like yoga was still like French, you know, back then considered French. And so I had to kind of find different people to follow because my brain was so science. I was like, okay, I feel the impacts of this. Like I can totally get on board. And also I had a hard time really being all in on the things that I was doing and the practices that were working with me because I didn't understand the science behind it. And I wanted to. So that's when I really started working with mentors that were more in the neuropsychology field, the neuroscience field, the people who spoke my language for me to be able to go all in. And then I became a coach and yeah, that's where, that's where we're at. And that was, I don't know, over six years ago is when I got certified. Wow. So you, yeah. I think I know I'm a, so I'm a fan to everyone listening. Yeah. I'm one of Danielle's fans. She has an amazing podcast. It's my pleasure. Is that what it's yes. called? Yeah. yeah. So I know a little bit of your story from yeah. listening to your podcast and everything, but when you started, you were a general life coach. Is that right? And then you went into sex coaching. Yeah, kind of. So it's like I started those groups with like women and teaching mindfulness and meditation and really like my kind of place was self-compassion and learning Mm. how to change this inner critic. And then but it was like even during my training to becoming a life coach, I was like, I want to be a sex coach. I even said that was my niche during coach training, but then I got out and it was like the first webinar I taught was like, get out of your head and into your vagina. It was like six years ago or five, five and a half years ago or something like that. And, and then I retreated. Then Uh I was like, this is totally what I want to do. And I just freaked out. I was so afraid of being seen you know, of what other people are going to think of like being seen as a sex coach and what that made, they made that mean about me. And, you know, and I think it was hard, like for my husband and I, he, you know, where his position in the world and like his coworkers and like, it it was just, it was hard being seen. And it was just a lot of fear and insecurity that I had to work through before I fully claimed it publicly. So it was like, 
one of those things, like people would, cause I did a lot of in-person workshops. So people would come to my workshops and I'd be like, and like, this is <laughs> like what I really do, or let's yeah. talk about this. You know? So it was kind of like this, like secret, like black business card of like, <laughs> I know a woman you should work with, but it wasn't until the, you know, more recently in the last few years that it was like, no, this is the only thing I'm doing. This is who I am. And end of story. Yeah. 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 I think that is so important. And I think probably some of the people listening can relate to knowing in your heart what you want to do, but being scared or not sure if it's going to work or, you know, yeah, all of those things. And, and I know this isn't exactly what I brought you on for, but we're kind of going here. I think, yeah, I think people would want to know like what helped you, you know, I know it took time and you had yeah. to do your inner work, but what helped you to claim, claim this, who you are and, and yeah. what you're, you're an expert in. Yeah, I think it's, it's such a great question. And it, you know, really, it comes down to being on your own side, and also developing the courage muscle. You know, I think that when people talk about being bold or being confident, you know, depending on where you're at, you just assume people just go from here like, well, you can't see my hands. <laughs> I'm showing her, but like, you know, from one place to like, that I'm just totally unapologetic, or right. I'm totally bold, or I'm totally confident, or I'm totally courageous. And it's like, that's not how it was for me. Maybe it is for some people, but it took t- like, it took some steps to build up that courage, mm-hmm. right? It was, it took a, it took some time just to show up online in general. I was really yeah. nervous with social media to just say, Hey, like this might help you like be in your body and be with your emotions. And then to talk about sex and then to say vagina and then to share some of my own story and then to share, you know, like, so it was like all these incremental steps that really helped me build up my courage and stretch a little further. Right. And that's what growth is all about. It's not like we have to go from chapter one to chapter 23 overnight. Like it can be like, Oh, and this, and Oh, and this, and having my own back and seeing that, that time was important for me to develop my courage and especially my resilience, because I know everybody gets feed feedback. I'm going to put that in quotes (laughs) online, but when you are talking about something as inflammatory or risque or taboo, which it shouldn't be, but it is, it is. Yeah. You're going to get a lot stronger opinions. And I got a lot of those and sometimes those shut me down and I didn't go back online for a few months, you know, and then over right. time I got more strong in my own belief in myself and in this work and in my why and so connected to that that it was easier to handle that feedback, right? You know, it was right. easier to handle unwanted comments and attacks from men or all the things that I have gotten from them over the years. It was, it was easier to not take it personally and not believe that what they were saying was true, but because I was more solid in my own truth. Yeah. I love, I love this answer. And I think this kind of leading me and and this leads to some of the questions I want to ask is, you know, what, 
what is it like, and, and you've already kind of answered this, but what is it like to be a sex coach in a patriarchal, for women in particular, in a patriarchal mm-hmm. world? Like, Well, let's just bring up the most recent example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my entire Instagram account that had over 24,000 followers in 10 years of all of my content and my oh. work and my journaling and all of this was disabled. So that in and of itself is a prime example of what it's like working on helping change that narrative, especially with women to love their bodies, to love themselves, to, you know, find their own desire is deemed so unacceptable on a platform where it's okay for men to consume naked women bodies or whatever they want. But the minute a woman starts to talk about, you know, accessing our own desire and our own pleasure and what it takes and like really deprogramming this patriarchy, I'm shut down. Really? What about the guys that sent me all those dick pics? What about all of the videos? What about the the hate and the threats and all of that? None of those people get shut down, but I do. (laughs) So that's just the most recent example, but we (sighs) could go on and on of how it is. It is a thing. And we can't say that it's not there because even doing the service that I think is the good for the entire world is yeah. still seen as a threat. Yeah. I'm getting like emotional. Like, mm. yeah, <laughs> I guess I want to say like, thank you mm. for putting yourself up there. Thanks. That makes me emotional because it's really hard. And, um, you know, I just wrote this email to everybody because I really feel like having Instagram shut down is like, been so eye-opening for me and it's been such a beautiful experience of like I'm I'm bigger than this platform right like this isn't gonna stop me but when there is like I would get dms every single day from women and from men that are like this saved my marriage and thank you and I had this important conversation with my daughter because of that or like oh my goodness for the first time I just had sex and like it was for me and I had these beautiful orgasms and like these these things of like the post and the messages and those little videos that like stuck with people they might have been scrolling but they remembered it and it stuck with them and it had them showing up in the relationship different it had them looking in the mirror differently it had them feeling alive and accepting of their body for the first time and to have that gone yeah. is it's heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking. Um, like I said, I'm not stopping and I feel like it's going to be channeled in a completely different way, yeah. but those people that don't know where else to get this information, that was a beautiful and easy and accessible way for them to learn, to be educated in a society and in a system that doesn't want to ever talk about female pleasure. Yeah. And so it's interesting for me kind of being your fan, right. And following you on Instagram and, and listening to your podcast and you, the way that you show up just feels so confident from my, you know, (laughs) from my perspective right it just seems like this you're natural at this and I don't know I 
yeah, it's moving to peel back the curtain a little bit and hear a little yeah. bit about the behind the scenes and that it's fucking hard. Like it's really hard. Yeah. And I think this is the thing we think about confidence in general, like when we see other women or anybody out there who mm -hmm. we seem is confident, it's like, you're getting this moment, but we are, you know, we are made up of the fabric of humanity, like that moment of courage that it takes for me to post every single day, that moment of courage it takes to like record stuff. It's like, you're get to see those, those moments, those one, yeah. those one little bits, those hour long conversations, these posts. And we, we don't, you know, I mean, I try and be very transparent yeah, in no, my sharing yeah, and my yeah. emotions like that. This isn't easy and this isn't hard, you know, and all of those sorts of things. But I think it's important for, you know, all of us just to remember that there's so many different layers to the human experience and it is really hard. And this putting this work out there and doing this, I mean, if you could see the hours of like tears and snot and complete <laughs> insecurity and doubt. And like, I want to quit moments that I've had in the last seven days alone. Right. Right. <laughs> you no, know, I'm not even talking about the years, but like recently of not feeling like I belong in the mastermind that I'm in, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not smart enough, that I don't belong in the thought leadership world. Like, who am I? Like we all have those because right. we're human. Yeah. And if I didn't have those, then I want to be able to show up for my audience as well as I'm able to, because I have such an intimate understanding of all of those layers. Yeah. You can relate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of want to segue this into like female pleasure in a patriarchy. Yeah. Like, we're talking about your experience, but like for everyone listening who was socialized as a woman and, you know, grew up with vagina and a vulva. Yeah. How do we start to reclaim our pleasure in this system that, you know, just what I remember from my childhood is like watching, you know, movies and they would have sex scenes, but it was like, well, first of all, it was all heterosexual. And then it was like penis and vagina, bang, 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 scream. <laughs> it's over. It's yeah. over. And like, I, I remember, you know, talking to, I had, I luckily had an older friend that kind of helped. <laughs> she was like yeah. my sex mentor or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> informally. But, you know, being like, oh, I think I like, I like it when my clit is touched more than yeah. the other stuff. And she was like, yeah, everyone, she was like, most women do. And I was like, yeah. what? What? They never told me. <laughs> and it was a secret yeah. conversation. And I was lucky that, you know, I had a job where I had this friend who was yeah, thank goodness, right? or something. Right. And she could kind of guide me in that way. But how do we start to reclaim our pleasure in the system that doesn't teach us about it and that actually shuts down people like you who are trying to get the word out out there? Like yeah. what are some steps people can take? 
Well, I think the first step is really taking a look at the thought that almost every woman has, especially when it comes to their sex life and their pleasure is that there's something wrong with me, or perhaps like even the question, like it seems innocent. Like when we have an experience or we don't have an experience is usually how it goes, right? It doesn't look like the movies. We don't get aroused when our partner comes in the door and hop up on a washing machine and, you know, orgasm two minutes later. (laughs) So it's that internalized thing of like seeing these messages, seeing these images, having all of this stuff, but instead of just having it, it's the, we make it mean that we're the problem, that there's something wrong with our body or our hormones, or maybe we're just not sexy enough or desirable enough. Maybe we're doing it wrong. Maybe we're just not built like other women. Maybe we just don't have that sexy gene, right? So all of that is going to also keep you from your pleasure, but it's just with real non-judgmental awareness, like looking and being like, oh, I'm not broken. Like I live in a system that is broken and pleasure is possible for me. Like this is such a small and simple statement, but we do not believe it to the extent that I want every woman in the world to believe it. Like pleasure is possible for me in this relationship. Pleasure is possible for me with this body that I have right now. Pleasure is possible for me you know, insert whatever it may be, like, after Mm -hmm. children during menopause, like, Mm -hmm. you know, all all of these sorts of things, because usually, yeah, with young kids, like with all of it, right. So it's like, really just being like, it's possible, maybe I haven't learned, but this isn't a me thing. And realizing that we are all wired to experience ecstatic pleasure and learning how to access that for you is what you get to learn. That is where the growth is, but it's not assuming that you're broken or there's something wrong with you, or it's not possible, or even going down this like path of like, am I normal? Like what's normal? Who's normal, right? Really? Like you're just looking for somebody to be like, you're okay. And I'm telling you, you're okay. That's where we start is just like, I'm okay. And just because I haven't experienced these things I want to experience doesn't mean I can't. It just means I haven't learned about my body. I haven't learned mostly about my brain and the things that are keeping me from accessing my body in that way. And all of that, I can just learn just like anything else we can learn. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting. And there's so many like parallels I feel like with whatever area you're struggling with it's like you know part of my own journey and then also the work that I do with clients is sometimes with money and everyone comes typically will come in I'm bad at money that's Mm -hmm. like the starting point and the the first thing to work on is to be like money is learnable and yeah and eventually to get to the place where like I'm actually kind of good with money you know like Yeah. yeah We can't totally. get there right away, but it's like, I can add, I can subtract, like yeah. I can do, you know, times interest rates. Yeah. Like I, you know, to start to build that, that foundation of like, cause yeah, of course, if you think I'm terrible at money, you're never going to look at a bank statement. You're never going right. to want to 
even because yeah. you're like, well, I'm just bad at it. And I feel like it's the same with pleasure and sex where it's like, oh, if I'm just bad at it or I used to be good at it and now. Now it's not possible for me. And I think what you said in there is really an, an important point is just the willingness, right? So it's like the willingness to learn, you know, and not making that mean something like just today on my group coaching call, we were talking about how a lot of people assume that learning about sex or learning about their body or learning about their pleasure means that there's something wrong with them or they are broken or their relationship is broken or their sex life sucks. Right. And I, and I think it's just such a backwards way of us thinking about things is like, of course I would want to learn this. Of course I would want to get help on this. Of course I want, want to be coached on this because what's on the other side, it doesn't mean it's nothing shameful. And that's the other thing. It's just this total misconception that good sex just happens and it should be really easy. So that if you have to put any kind of work into it, that's shameful in and of itself. That means there's something wrong with you, right? It's just like the way that we used to look at coaching or therapy or anything like that. Like if you need that, you're really fucked up, right? Right, So it's like really giving yourself permission. Like, yeah, I want to do this coaching program or yeah, I'm listening to this podcast because why wouldn't I want to be able to lean into my most ultimate pleasure potential? Why would I not want to be able to have my life, sex life and beyond be the juiciest that's possible where it's not something you're lacking or because you're broken or because your partnership is broken or because anything is wrong with you, but because why wouldn't you want this to be the best it could be? Yeah, I love that. And I want to jump back to, because I definitely have some clients who have kids and, you know, podcast listeners who have kids. So maybe you can talk about how to work on your sex life, whether you're partnered or not. You know, I have yeah. single moms or and, and people who are partnered who who have like, little kids. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, is like, why do you think that's a problem to start with? Like always ask yourself that, is this a scheduling thing? Is it because I think I'm too tired? Is it because I'm doing stuff all the time? Is it because I'm not in the mood or Mm -hmm. I'm not in sexy mode because I'm in mom mode? Like Mm -hmm. really take a look of like, why is this a problem? Right. right. Because it's like, it's such a vast thing. And whenever I ask a client that there's a variety of different reasons, right. you know, I think one of the main ones is, especially for young kids, like I'm just, I'm very tired or I feel like I'm being like touched and needed and prodded on all the time. Uh, the last thing I want to do at the end of the, a long day like that is be touched more. So for a couple of these things, like number one, I think it's really important for us to see that sex can be for us, that it can be nourishing. You know, it might take some effort at the beginning to get to that mindset that it's really for us. But like, if I propose to you mothers out there, especially of young children, that you get to get a beautiful massage tonight, you would have way different thoughts 
than if I propose to you about sex, because you do believe that a massage is going to be so relaxing and so nice, and it's going to feel really good. And most of us don't have those default thoughts about sex. However, when we lean into sex to be for us, that's exactly what it is. It actually will help you be more energized. It is the ultimate form of self-care. It is, does feel good, especially when you learn how to access pleasure in your body. And it is not something else you're giving away. It is your place to receive. And so when we begin to like switch all of that, that's when it's like, of course I have kids. And just like, of course I would want a massage. Of course you would want sex. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, And I feel like that applies to not just to mother, like so much of what you're saying applies to all women is that, yeah, what if it was for you? And schedule it. I'm going to say that. (laughs) I know there's people being like, but I'm not even joking around. Just schedule it already. And it'll make your life so much easier. And the sex will be way, way better. Why? Why is that for the people who are like, (laughs) you know, waffling or like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to tell you what to do. Cause you asked me a question and you want advice from an expert, do it. <laughs> uh, but really what I want to say about that is like, I, I'm a sex coach. I've obviously worked a lot on my own pleasure and my own thoughts and all of that. And I'm still going to schedule it. And because I know how much better it will be when I do. Now, one of the things to take a look at is we put spontaneous sex on this pedestal. We think that's how it's supposed to be. So there is this assumption that scheduling it makes you more rigid or scheduling makes you like, I don't know, some boring Right, right. Rule follower. Rule follower or whatever, right? I think that there was some scene that Reese Witherspoon, Pretty Little Fires, I don't even know what, it was some (laughs) series on HBO, but she scheduled it and it was seen as this negative type A, we can only do it here thing. And so we've been given these messages that, you know, spontaneous sex is better of, for some reason. And when you think about even maybe when you first started dating your partner, it was never that spontaneous to begin with, right? Like if you're going out on a date, if you had plans to see them Friday night, you knew. don't tell me you weren't shaving your legs and getting ready to get down and dirty with your partner. Like, yeah. It was happening, you knew, or you were going to at least prepare for the moment it might happen. So to, it's even telling yourself a lie to say that it was always spontaneous. It was, it was on the top of your mind in so many ways, but the reason why it really does make it better is because when we have a lot on our plates, when we are mothers or not, when you're a Mm -hmm. business owner, when you're a high achieving woman, when you have a very full schedule, your brain is not going to be on sex all the time. It is not going to be on your partner. In order for us to help get our body warmed up and excited and create more desire, we have to be thinking about it. It's like when you first start dating somebody and you're thinking about their hands on your body, you're thinking Mm. about that last steamy session you have, you're thinking about what might happen next time or kissing them or all of these things. Like it's literally on your mind 
often. Mm -hmm. And so when you plan it, you can on purpose, get your brain on board, which is going to help warm up and tantalize your body. And so all of that allows the arousal to happen. It allows Mm. you to prepare for it. Like maybe you don't want to eat something that makes you super like uncomfortable in your stomach. And now you're having digestion issues after dinner, right? right? Because you're like, you know, actually gluten makes me feel super uncomfortable. And I know I'm having sex tonight. So I'm definitely not eating gluten. Like even to the little details like that, when you know, which you would have done when you're on the first date, right? You're you're the whatever date you have sex on, yeah. Uh, you know, you are thinking, okay, what am I? Yeah. What am yeah. I eating? What am I wearing? All of those things. Yeah. Or like for me, one of the things I noticed was how much duller my senses were and my sensitivity to touch and how much more like surface level my orgasms were if I had been drinking. So mm-hmm. I like, it's very rare that I will have sex if I've been drinking. So it's like, if I know it's coming, then it's like, yeah, I'm not going to have a glass of wine now. Yeah. I'm not going to have a beer. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, like you think about these kind of things and how it impacts your pleasure. So you plan for the pleasure. If you have had a really stressful day, then you plan to go on a walk maybe, or you take a bath or you plan for your partner to help out with the kids and put them to bed so that you can go and warm your body up. Like there's so many ways that you then have pleasure on the mind and you make it happen. You create that for yourself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so how, I guess my next question, I have a lot of the work I end up doing with clients is about learning to put themselves first in every area. I feel like those of us socialized as women in every area, not just sex, but in every area, it's like, take care Mm -hmm. of everybody else, put Mm -hmm. everyone else needs first and your needs come last. It's like at the bottom. And so I kind of have two questions, I guess, part of it is just like, how do you start to put your needs first? But also I think it would be helpful to, to answer the question, like, what are the benefits? Like, like, what are the benefits? I mean, obviously there's the benefit in the moment of the, mm-hmm. the pleasure, but like, what are the other benefits for those of us who might need like multiple motivations yeah, to, yeah. to do the work? Cause you said it is, it's not like you listen to one podcast and then it's magic and then you have, yeah. There's effort because we're not having it right now, right? There's effort in anything that we actually want to create and get better at. So I think, you know, some of the benefits, just like, like you said, like some of the surface level benefits, you know, we have uh, neurochemicals in our brain, uh, things that support our immune system. You know, Mm. we have dopamine, serotonin, like all of these things that are really helpful and nourishing to our actual physical body, you know, and there's so much more scientific research now that show kind of when we're orgasming more than once or twice a week, those health benefits that happen. But what I really like to think about is what you're creating and who you're growing into as a woman, when you are somebody that prioritizes pleasure. Mm. 
because the other pieces that need to be in place for you to, let's say, achieve your goal, right? Achieve your goal of whatever way are going to create a ripple effect in every life. Like I, um, one of my clients brought this up and I loved how she said it. She was like, sex for me became this barometer because I really do see it's like the one place when we're looking at like, where's my desire tonight? How, like how much pleasure am I able to access? It is a direct reflection of all of the other internal workings that you're doing. So if you've been beating yourself up all day and you've had all these perfectionist tendencies and you're getting down on yourself or being lazy or not following through, or you quote unquote failed at something, you are not going to have desire. You have now become the attacker and the attacky. And in a body that's being attacked, you will not feel desire. You've cut yourself off from this ability to feel, you know, this eagerness and this willingness. And then pleasure also becomes less accessible because we're so disconnected at that point. And the part that we're in our nervous system is swung completely out of whack where we're really in a a stress cycle. And so understanding that your pursuit of pleasure is going to have you being super aware of how you treat yourself, your level of self-compassion is going to increase your ability to acknowledge when you're in a stress cycle and relaxing and coming to a calm, nervous place is crucial. And that's a skill, obviously, that's going to benefit you in so many other ways, every area, every area, right, you learn this hyper awareness of how you're being in your body and with your person, you know, you get to, like, become more present, you actually develop the insula, which is part of your brain that has a very high um, level of awareness of like, what's going on with our physical sensations, you increase your focus, because you're learning how to to notice when your brain is wandered away when you're having sex and kindly directing it back. Like there's so many other ways that we're actually changing our brain structure beyond just the health benefits of having an orgasm that are going to allow you to be on your own side, to understand and speak up to your desires, to become more bold, to become unapologetic in your life, to become more confident, to become more compassionate and self-compassionate and loving and less stressed and like all of the things. And that has an impact everywhere (laughs) that has an impact on your entire life. But sex is the quickest. I truly believe this, that focusing on your sex life and your growth is the quickest path to get there because it's the one area of our life that it all kind of comes together and we can't hide from it. You can't lie to yourself. of like, Oh, I'm being really nice. And then your body is closed up. Yeah. And it's like such a fuck you to the patriarchy, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, totally. Like asking for what you want and starting to know what you want. I feel like so many of us were socialized to just not to the point that we don't even know what we want or what we like in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom because we're like, supposed to be taking caretaking everybody else's needs and so we're not we have this like strong sensor of like oh this person's eye slightly twitched so maybe my partner needs a, you yeah. know water or what whatever or a break yeah. from this conversation and 
we but that sensor is often turned outwards towards everyone else and this is kind of the work of like starting to turn it in towards ourselves and since you know i know that negative self-talk and the inner critic is such a such an obstacle for so many people in so many areas what are some of the baby steps people can take if they are having a day where they're saying, oh my God, I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I'm lazy and I should have worked out and I didn't work out and all the things. Yeah. Well, I think that the key is in how you do this, um, you know, there's a variety of ways that I coach my clients on doing this, but identifying that these are simply thoughts running through your brain. Like these are sentences running through our brain and we become so self-identified with that narrative talk. It just feels true, right? Like what we are telling ourselves, like you're lazy, for instance, that doesn't feel like a sentence in your brain. That just feels like that's the truth. Like I am a lazy person. And so, you know, whether it's like what helps you see that as just being a thought, Like it really is a sentence in your brain. And, you know, I could list off a whole number of ways to help you do that, but that's really the crux of it is being able to see that this is a sentence in your brain and maybe it's writing it down. Maybe it's just saying like, oh, my brain is having the thought that Mm -hmm. I am a lazy person, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Even just saying that out loud is going to help you create that separation between mental activity being just that mental activity and not the truth. And when we begin to see that we can have more compassion, you know, we've, we've created this separation where it doesn't feel as identified and integral to who we are. And when it's like, Oh, my brain is having the thought I'm lazy. That's totally different than I am a lazy person, right? right? That it feels different in your body. And then having compassion, having compassion, even for the fact that you're having those thoughts, like, Oh, of course, I'm thinking that I'm a lazy person right now. Like this is a narrative I've had for a really long time. Of course, my brain is delivering this message. This is the way that I've been socialized to think that anytime I rest, then that means that I'm being lazy. Like this makes sense. Like something that allows you to like understand, like, of course, you're a person, your human brain, that's having this thought because you've been doing that for a long time. And, and then really acknowledging how that makes you feel like coming back to the body being like, Oh, and when I believe that, like, that's really hurtful. Like I notice it here and like, Oh, this moment is hard. This is really challenging. Like, I love you keep going, you know, anything that really just changes that tone to like acceptance and love and then encouragement of like, Hey, like, let's give it another go tomorrow. Let's see how it goes. Right. So it's not, I think a lot of people think self-compassion is like letting yourself off the hook for things or, you know, like kind of like you'll end up being a slacker who cares. And all research points to that really having a more compassionate approach to everything is going to have you 
keep showing up is actually helps you not quit. It actually helps people achieve so many more goals because they feel supported and encouraged and they don't make failure or mishaps or anything be that they're a horrible person. It's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Let's just take a look at this. And it's that gentle curiosity and that picking apart that really will allow you to excel, not the, you know, the militant sort of like voice screaming in your head that we think is going to create change. Right. Yeah. And in every area, you know, some of the work I've been doing with my clients is like, there's the militant voice and then there's the resistant. Mm -hmm. And these two parts have, they're just having a fight all the time. (laughs) If they're both running, right. There's like the perfectionist. And then there's the part of you that's like, I'm not doing any, I can't handle this. This is horrible. You're being so mean to me. I'm not doing anything. And so it's the cycle of kind of procrastinating or, you know, not doing this thing that you actually maybe want to do and then oh no I didn't do it I need to beat myself up and it can yeah. create this vicious cycle horrible cycle yeah versus yeah the the root of self self-compassion or whatever you want to call it this other way of being yeah. where it's like yeah I called myself lazy and yes I you know I live in a patriarchy and there's all this different messaging and maybe it's from my family or from school or from wherever this obsession Mm -hmm. with productivity and to kind of see what's happening. And because like, you know, one of the things I say to my clients is like, I don't know the way to make that voice never talk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't learned the skill that my brain never tells me I'm lazy, but I don't, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But yeah, when you can gently detach yeah. from that and say like, okay, this is my thought. Maybe this is my amygdala freak, you know, yeah. thinking I'm not going to be safe unless I do a lot, a lot of actions. Right. And to, to send love. That's so, yeah. so powerful. Yeah. 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 So if people are are loving this conversation and they want to learn more about sex and maybe working with you and your program, how can people stay connected to you and learn? Yeah. Well, before I would say, follow me on Instagram because I have so much fun, but (laughs) Um, so if I do get, you know, back on there, you'll be able to find me on there and I'll have Bren put the handle in into the show notes or whatever. But um, I would say the best way is get on my mailing list because that is the place that, you know, I mostly own it. I'm not (laughs) hopefully going to get kicked off the the mailing email uh, platform. Yeah. 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 So that's the best way to keep current of like what I have going, whether that's workshops or new podcast episodes or, you know, upcoming coaching programs. And I share a lot in there. I share a lot of practices. I sometimes put in meditations in there. So it's a great way to really kind of dip your toe into the work and the concepts that I'm talking about. I go deeper into concepts on my podcast, as Bryn mentioned earlier, it's called It's My Pleasure. And then of course, like if you're ready, you're like, this is definitely the work that I am going to do next. Then you can go to daniellesavory.com slash group, and you can enroll for Better Sex in 90 Days, which is the juiciest community of women all doing this work. And it's such a fun program. 
Yeah. And I love the group aspect because of there's so much shame and there's so much weird messaging we get to just, I imagine it's really a community of like a lot of like, oh, you struggle with it. Oh, I'm not broken. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I see like such accelerated growth compared to when I just did one-on-one because of that. Cause it's like me, they're like, yeah, yeah, Danielle, you're telling me this is everybody, but you know, and they kind of roll my eyes, but when they really hear (laughs) over and over again, that it's not just them, then it really like that self-compassion just sinks in. And I think, you know, the other thing that's so beautiful about a community, I mean, number one, it's an even bigger F you to the patriarchy because it's in a whole group of women talking (laughs) about sex and owning their pleasure, uh, which I like, but Uh, you know, another thing is like, if somebody raises their hand or gets coached on something, it might bring an awareness up to you of an obstacle or an un, you know, like a thought that you didn't even realize was there that now, because someone else brought it up, you're like, Oh my gosh, like, I didn't even realize that I'm doing that too. So it really helps again, accelerate your growth and your development in the area because there's so many different voices in there. I love it. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. I want to be respectful of your time. It's been amazing. This is so helpful. Everyone get on Danielle's mailing list, listen to her podcast. She is an expert. This was this conversation was just the tip of the iceberg. So thank you. It's been such a pleasure being here. I appreciate you having me. Wow. Okay. Bye, everyone. If you resonated with this episode, I want to offer you a free private one-hour consultation with me. Through doing the deep inner work, my clients have been able to do things like quit the job they hate and land a job they love, or get their first paying clients in their dream business, and if they're a little bit further down the road, double their revenue. They've been able to fall in love and go to bed each night feeling satisfied and accomplished. In the consultation, we'll talk about what your dream looks like, what's getting in the way, and whether working together can help. Email me at brin at brinbamber.com to book.